it's just one location. Locally owned, lovely ladies who work there, but I can't use that punch card anymore. More on this in this episode of Stationed with Stories. Station with Stories. That's it. All right, you are listening to Stations with Stories. I am your host, Kalisha Hollis Jesse. And before we get started, y'all, let me just let you know that these are all my thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts. And they do not represent or reflect the positions, opinions, or views of the U.S. Armed Forces in any way. All right, y'all, now that we are done with that, hi, peeps. Here we are, another episode. And, you know, it's just another good day, y'all. It's another good day. Always happy to be with you all. For those who are new to the podcast, welcome. And for those who have been with me, if you old school, we go way back, right, to the first episode, the first season, you know you are always welcomed. Hey, y'all, glad that you are back. And let me just jump right on into the book that I just completed, y'all. So this book, I actually read with a book club, one of the several book clubs that I'm in, because y'all know, if you've been with me, you know I'm in a couple of book clubs, and this one is historical fiction. Yes, I love historical fiction. If you have been with me for a while, you know that. So it was pretty cool that that was what they chose for this particular month. And the book is called The Dressmaker by Kate Alcott. So just to let y'all know, Kate Alcott, that is actually a pseudonym. The writer is a journalist. Her name is Patricia O'Brien, and she's written several books, fiction and nonfiction, author of New York Times bestseller, The Dressmaker, which is what I read, but she also has a couple of other books under her belt. And I have not read any of her other work. This is my first Kate, quote unquote, Kate Alcott book. And you know what? Let's just jump right on into some details. It was a book that came out in 2012. My words for it, informing, jumpy, socially conscious. Now, The Dressmaker is actually a historical fiction novel, right? That's what it is about the 1912 sinking of the Titanic and It is really a novel that takes place over several days prior to the voyage of the Titanic, the fatal, right, catastrophe that it was, and right after it. Now, I say informing because I actually learned quite a bit. I did not realize that there were, you know, interviews and kind of a trial set right after the sinking, just to get testimony on what happened, what happened on the ship. And it made sense, but it was, it was fascinating. It was informing. I learned, obviously it's historical fiction. You don't get all of the facts, nor do you get, you know, a 100% depiction of how it would have been. But right, the job of historical fiction is to give you a sense of what was happening at the time in a made-up characters. And sometimes they are real characters and they kind of figure out or guess and use the research that they have available to get a picture of a real person's life. But in this case, these people are all made up. And it's interesting. There is 
protagonist, she's a young woman who is trying to escape basically her life. And she joins the voyage as the maid of a very wealthy dressmaker, a very wealthy person, woman who is a designer. Okay. And so it's it's really their story. It's uh, the young woman, Tess, is her story. And, you know, just how she's trying to prove herself as a great seamstress to this very wealthy, very famous designer. And they, they, you know, make it. They do not die. And I'm not giving away anything that's just, you know, we don't do spoilers in this podcast when it comes to the, the actual book. But I would say it's informing because I learned a lot about what the expectations of the ship. And I mean, you know, even a hundred years later, you know that it was supposed to be the unsinkable ship. They really did not think that the Titanic could sink. And I've read another book that had some details about the Titanic and a lot of luminaries of that time period were on that, that voyage and they wanted to be there because it was such a major voyage at the time. It was such a major ship. They spared no expense. Obviously, there were people on the ship who were not as wealthy. So there's there's that, but there are a lot of famous people on the ship. So it was very informing just to learn how you know people thought about the ship at that time and what happened immediately after, more or less immediately after, the ship sank and the survivors made it over to New York. So that was number one, jumpy is my second word. And I say jumpy because the sh- the story is just, from the very beginning, I would want to say page four, page five. I got so confused because the point of view in this book shifts without notice. Without notice. So you will be in the mindset of Tess. And then all of a sudden it will shift to another, another person in the book. And there's no page break. There's no new chapter. And a lot of books these days, a lot of contemporary books do have multiple perspectives, multiple people who are telling their story, you know, these novels, but they're usually chapter by chapter. So you have a Meg. Chapter one, we know we're thinking about Meg. And then chapter two, we're thinking about Zeke. And chapter three, we're thinking about Claudia, whatever, right? This book, it will literally be in the same paragraph. Someone else is talking or thinking. And it was so jumpy. And that was that was it throughout. So, I mean, after a while, I kind of went with the flow. I can kind of guess who was thinking based on who was in the scene and how it how it would have been in their mind. And, you know, you can kind of follow along, but it's, it is very jumpy. That made it difficult to read, at, I mean, throughout, because you just had to be ready for the point of view to shift really quickly without any notice. And then the third word I said, socially conscious. And 1912, we're talking about, very interesting to understand what was happening at the time. And the book is tackling, and the book is tackling a lot, I would say. It's done fairly well, though. So you have this issue of class, which is 
a big piece of what came out of the Titanic tragedy was that it was really the wealthy who survived. And those who were poor in the lower parts of the ship, more of those people perished. And so the book tackles the class issue. The book tackles how the Americans versus the Brits dealt with the the tragedy, really. And it's, it's focused on the American side, but there's a bit of that social class between those who have titles, royal titles, official titles. And that's really a a British thing. And Americans just really didn't get that. And so they didn't respect the the social classes that are established in Britain. And then the other pieces, they touch upon suffrage, women's suffrage. And at that time, there were many women who, and not even just women, but women who wanted to and were lobbying for and were marching for the right to vote in this country. Because keep in mind, this is 1912, women were not able to vote. And so that piece gets taken up in the book. There's also a bit of that, you know, let's make money and find a new way to live out in the U.S., a land of promise. And so you have these characters who are very poor and trying to make their way out in the U.S. And there's so many possibilities and there's a lot less in terms of barriers when it comes to breaking past certain social classes that are very established in in Britain. So that piece was really interesting. A lot of socially conscious pieces in this book that the author tried to juggle so that, you know, the reader could see what people were thinking about at that time period, what was important, what was in the newspapers. Also very interesting news. You know, New York Times was prominently featured here, but you saw some of the other news journals and magazines and newspapers at the time and how they were kind of vying for reputation and vying for power. That was interesting, right? So those were my words, informing, jumpy, socially conscious. The book is once again, The Dressmaker by Kate Alcott. Came out in 2012. Check it out if you so choose. All right, y'all, moving on to the topic of the day. Can milk spouses really support small locally owned businesses? It's something that I have never thought about before, y'all, but let me just let me just tell you what was going on with me as I was thinking about this week in this episode. Y'all, I needed to get my tires rotated. Mm-hmm. Adulting, isn't it the ghetto? The uh, Adulting is a ghetto, y'all. So I had to get my tires rotated. And of course, for those who are military spouses, you know when they are attached to very rigorous or very active assignments, it is hard for them to get time off. Like, you know, my husband, he does not get off, okay? There's no 4.30, he's off the ship. No, that does not happen, at least for him. He has to be there late sometimes, even on the weekends. Okay, y'all, I'm not going to get into this too much. But yes, so there's not a lot of time during the week for him to do things like this. And so as much as he wanted to be able to take my car in, y'all, I know, 
I knew it had to happen and it needed to be me. And we wanted to do a little getaway this past weekend. And so that's what we did. And I was like, let's get these tires rotated because my car, I call her Kelsey. Kelsey was just like ride it to the right a little bit. And I'm like, okay, either alignment or car rotation. Here's the catch though, y'all. I got my my tires a couple of years ago and I was talking to someone on the phone from a tire shop and they were saying, you might have some insurance on your tires. Where did you get your tires from? And I thought, great. I am in Washington state right now. I got my tires in New Hampshire when I was living in Massachusetts. Now this was pre-marriage, okay? This was pre-military spouse days. I was bouncing around by myself enough. But just when when he said that to me, I was like, this is a dilemma. Y'all, when he said that to me, I said, this is a dilemma because honestly, I cannot get back to this place. And how, how silly is that? How ridiculous is it that I cannot get my tires rotated for free because I'm so far away from where I originally got them? Y'all, so I was on the phone, calling back to the place. It turns out that they have changed hands. They are under a new umbrella, the tire place I got my tires from back in New Hampshire. And they actually have national locations, okay? So this is Mavis. They're like, we're Mavis now. Y'all, it was a whole thing. Turns out that there was no Mavis near me close enough where I can get my tires down there and get them rotated. But it got me to thinking, y'all. It got me to thinking, as much as we like to shop local, or at least that's the the verbiage right now, right? We want to shop local. You want to support local businesses, small businesses. It can be a hassle in the military world. As a meal spouse, y'all, I need change sometimes. And I love to shop local, but honestly, when you move so much, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle, right? If I have insurance on something and then I move and then I can't get to the place to make good, use that insurance, what good was getting the insurance in the first place? For example, okay, so you think about little cards, you know, little punch cards that businesses will give you. Like, for example, I got a pink berry card. It's nice, right? I like pink berry. I don't eat it that often. It's very expensive, okay? But they give you a good birthday reward. So like, let just let y'all know that because you know I love my free stuff. And so they give you this free, I want to say it's maybe a large up to a certain size for your birthday from pink berry. But it's nice. Pink berry is not everywhere, but it's in more places. So even if I got it back when we were in Rhode Island, I can use it in California, okay? But but like, for example, my eyebrow punch card, when I found the person to do my eyebrows down in Southern California, it's just, it's just one location, locally owned, lovely ladies who work there, but I can't use that punch card anymore. What am I going to do with it? Okay. It's, it's, I, ch- I can't use it because I am gone. I was also thinking, for example, someone got me some really delicious, and I think I just kind of inherited it, really. It wasn't that they got me. I think it was one of those giveaway things back when I was in Japan and everybody's always giving away stuff. Someone had some really delicious cinnamon apple tea, 
And I want to say it was from Aldi's, maybe. But I was like, great. It's not from one particular grocery store that is in only one place and I can't find it other places. I can get this tea the next time I'm near an Aldi's and Aldi's is international. So I can do that, y'all. But but if it was from a small little place and some little small, like for example, I got some hair products and I'm like, I don't even think the place that I got it from ships. So what am I supposed to do? I got to get down there again. And we move so much. A lot of us do at least, military spouses. And so it's just... I just was really thinking, y'all, I want to be that local, you know, who goes and to the local shops and gets all the specialty products that you can't find in other places. I love that. I do that as much as I can. But y'all, when it comes to like getting punch cards and getting tires and getting other products, for example, when you need to return something, mm -hmm, sometimes you have a lot of a lot of leeways, a couple of months or whatever to return a product. And maybe you were in the middle of a move. For example, buying something for, you know, a mount, a TV mount and being able to return that because you thought you were going to need it and you put it in your, you know, unaccompanied baggage to get there express. And then you remembered, oh, snap, we already have a wall mount or TV mount we don't need this. We need to return it. And to be able to go to whatever big box store you, you got it from in this new state that you're in, a new place, right? And return it and not have to worry about having to keep it because that store is not there. Y'all, the convenience of big box. And once again, I like locally owned. That's that's what I do when I can do it. But that that whole debacle with the tires, I was just like, man, this is a mess. Another example, y'all. Another example, those CO2 bottles for Soda Stream. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of places. My husband has a Soda Stream, and I'm like, we need to get the, the CO2 canister. Mm-hmm. Now listen, if none of the stores are near you that you can redeem or switch out these CO2 canisters, what are you going to do about this little soda stream? Y'all, questions, questions that need answers. And I want the boutique. I want the locally owned. I want the cute little products. But when it comes to just being able to pick up your life, right? Little restaurants that have come here for 10 times, the 10th time you have 50% off your meal, Listen, I'm not going to come 10 times in the last, in the next couple of months that I'm here or the, even the next year, I might not be at your establishment for 10 times to get my 50% off. Okay. Can we, can, I, yeah, we don't have any more locations. Okay. I understand. You don't have any more locations. I love you just the way you are, but what am I going to do with this punch card? What am I going to do with this rewards program? If I move so much that I can never get my rewards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, y'all, struggles. Struggles in our lives. We figure it out. But y'all, it just had me thinking, y'all. I want to support locally owned. But darn it, that big box, it does have some advantages. 
All right, y'all. Moving on to the last portion of the podcast, I have for you yet another flash fiction piece. And this one is called MJ Does Not Like Pickles. You're pickling what? MJ asked. His grandma chuckled, not looking up from her canning jars boiling in hot water over the stove. You heard me, she said, swiping an errant clump of coils from her forehead and tucking them under her bonnet. Pickle green tomatoes for dinner tonight. I don't like pickles, MJ said, sighing in the July heat. Baseball gloves sticking to his hand like the oven his grandmother stood over. Mississippi in the summertime was already hotter and stickier than Detroit's without those boiling glass jars. But at least summertime in Mississippi was tasty. Grandma made things like biscuits in the mornings, egg sandwiches with fresh fruit salads for lunch, and smothered pork chops for dinner. A slice of caramel cake often followed for dessert. But he didn't like pickles. MJ hated pickles. Have you ever had pickled green tomatoes? Grandma asked. MJ shook his head. No, but I know I won't like them, he replied. MJ didn't like dill pickles or bread and butter pickles or hot and spicy pickles or sweet and tangy pickles. He didn't like pickles sliced or diced or whole. MJ detested pickled okra and pickled onions, pickled carrots and pickled cabbage, and of course, pickled pig's feet. Grandma was a good cook, but MJ's stomach soured at the thought of her serving him pickled anything tonight. What about fried green tomatoes? I like fried green tomatoes, MJ pleaded with his grandma. She grinned to herself before turning to him. Pickle green tomatoes are on the menu and you're going to love them. MJ rolled his eyes, careful not to let his grandma see him. He considered the glove and bat in his hand. He had a choice, lie or suffer. In an instant, he made his decision. Dinner time at Grandma's house came soon enough, and MJ limped into the kitchen. He'd had an accident. A ball to the stomach while outside with friends. MJ would skip dinner tonight. MJ could not eat Grandma's pickles. Oh, honey, pickle green tomatoes will heal that belly right on up. Grandma proclaimed, go on to bed, and I'll be by to bring your supper real soon. Though MJ protested and pouted and sulked and silent screamed, MJ could not avoid his fate, so he slumped into bed and waited. Grandma did as promised. She brought dinner, including those disgusting pickled chopped green tomatoes. He ate his catfish and white bread and beans. He savored them even. He ignored the pickles entirely. As he lifted the last bite to his mouth, Grandma said, Add just a bit of chopped pickles with the catfish and white bread, MJ. I promise you it's good. It'll heal you right on up. You'll see. 
MJ scooped a bit of pickles atop that last bite. Then he stared at the bite. Go ahead, Grandma prodded. Left with no choice, MJ closed his eyes and stuffed the last bite into his mouth. He chewed. Grandma waited. MJ's eyes opened. He sat up straight in bed. Then he stood. Then he leaped. They're delicious, he cried. Just the right amount of sweet, just the right amount of sour, the right crunch, the right crisp, the right flavor, the right smell. MJ turned to eat the rest of his green tomato pickles, then took his plate to the kitchen to get more. He liked green tomato pickles chopped, and he liked them sliced. He liked them whole, and he liked them diced. He liked them with white bread or wheat, with catfish or hot dogs or chicken or maybe even pig's feet. MJ loved pickled green tomatoes so much that he'd even eat it with stew. MJ loved pickled green tomatoes so much that he'd even eat it with gumbo roux. Stomach's not so hurt anymore, Grandma asked, arching her eyebrows with a knowing look. No, MJ said with an apologetic smile. Just a taste was all it took. All right, y'all, that is it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Of course, if you are not following me on social media, it is at stationed underscore story, Instagram, Twitter, and y'all, the website, it has all of the things, stationwithstories.com. You can also read the pieces that I read for yourself if you prefer it that way, okay? And of course, if you have not rated the podcast, give it all the stars, leave a great review. You can also share because sharing is caring. That's what we are about here at Station With Stories. And that is it for this episode, y'all. I am your host, Kalisha Hollis-Jesse. You are listening to Station With Stories. Until next week, bye peeps.